Welcome to the Speak Up Talk Radio Network. I am Pat Rulo, and today, so excited and honored to share the recent Firebird Book Award-winning Grand Prize authors with you. They are Bibiana Crawl and Veronica Klein-Barton, and their winning book is titled Wicked Mist. A little bit about each of them. Bibiana Crawl, award-winning co-author of Wicked Mist, number three of the Haunted series, is honored to be a part of a creative collaboration that began during the pandemic and continues to flourish and grow. She is a former international travel expert and luxury insider, and she's lived an adventurous life that she writes about in her novels and her short stories and poetry, highlighting kick-ass female protagonists in intuition-driven stories that utilize social narratives and explore the mysterious world. And you can enjoy 28 titles at Amazon.com. And now for Veronica, Veronica Klein-Barton. She earned her graduate degrees in both engineering and business and has had successful careers in the software and technology industries. Her lifelong love affair with British murder mysteries inspired her to embark on a literary career. She loves all things glamorous, royals, acting, fashion, emphasis on boots and crowns, and loads of yummy foods and cocktails. And when she's not traveling the world looking for inspiration, she lives in California with her husband, Bruce, and their two cats, Daisy and Ebby. I'll tell you what, such a dynamic duo. Welcome to the network, Bibiana and Veronica. Thank you. Thank you, Pat. Such a pleasure to finally have this conversation, and congratulations on winning the Firebird Book Award. I was happy to share that with both of you. Oh, it's just been awesome. Actually, it's such a, what an honor it is, um, you know, to achieve achieve the award and you know Bibiana and I had such great fun uh, coming up with the stories in Wicked Mist this year and uh, look forward to uh, continuing. <laughs> well you both are prolific and seasoned authors on your own. I want to do dig into your book but before we do I think our listeners would like to know when why and how did the two of you start this very special and very successful collaboration? Well, um, you know, Veronica, Veronica, you were, you visited Savannah in January, right before the pandemic, correct? That's right, January 2020. Yep. So we had been friends on uh, Twitter mm -hmm. and and decided to meet up in person. Right. And our, our husbands were sleeping and we snuck downstairs to this fantastic place that it's going to sound bizarre, but it used to be a funeral parlor. <laughs> and, you know, this is Savannah. So Savannah's crazy like that. But this is visiting it's, Bibiana, by the way. Too. <laughs> <laughs> right. so, but it's, it's absolutely luxurious, just super gorgeous. And two o'clock in the morning, you know, we were sitting in these, like, Louis Fourteenth chairs in, like, the, the entry room of this place that has, I don't know, 50-foot ceilings in it, frescoed ceilings, and um, Veronica kind of posed questions, you know, do you want to try to, to do something? And we had lots of ideas, and this was a very inspiring place. And um, Veronica, why don't you tell them what happened after that, you know, with the Winchester Mansion and all that? It's, like, amazing. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah, no, so we, you know, just kind of... Uh, Started to talk about starting Hearth Fires was the first book um, that uh, that we wrote, and um, we 
you know, left, I left Savannah and, uh, went through a bout of COVID since that's when we, you know, it started back then. And, uh, but we did make one more trip. We met up at, uh, the Winchester Mystery, uh, house in San Jose and had a lovely afternoon and evening and just chatted again. And then the world shut down. And after, uh, uh, we got home and, you know, got situated. Bibiana and I, you know, we talked daily pretty much and um we decided that, you know, there were a lot of unknowns going on and we decided that we were going to keep writing and that's where we, you know, really started to dive into uh structuring uh the Heartfires uh book and um uh decided, you know, what stories I'd write, what stories she'd write, and lo and behold, um on Labor Day of 2020, we published our first uh, collection together. Oh, that's a short amount of time, actually. No, it was yeah. totally, yeah. totally, and you know, especially I think given the you know the, the global circumstances, yeah. you know, with everyone, you know, the pandemic, you know, just absolutely roaring and everybody on lockdown. I mean, it was situations that I've never been through ever. <laughs> I don't think anyone yeah. has. And, you know, to, there, there was two ways to face it. And I think, you know, Viviana and I have talked about this a lot in terms of, you know, we could have just shut down and, you know, kind of cowered in the corner, but, you know, we didn't know what was going to happen. And we decided, well, if we're going to go out, I guess we'll go out writing. <laughs> so, and, uh, yeah, you know, and just what a blessing that was, you know, it was really a gift Absolutely. To, to be able to have something at least, you know, very positive to occur in some very dark times. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. It was a great opportunity to just freeze and do nothing and just say, well, let's just wait and see what happens. But to uh, put your heads together and say, no, we're plowing forward. And then all the successes that come from it, you're right. It, it was a gift in disguise. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, you know, it was. And the other thing is, is, is because of the fact that, um, you know, people weren't going anywhere. We weren't going anywhere. You know, who only people who, where like, you know, the, uh, emergency crews and nurses and doctors and that sort of thing were really going anywhere. So we had more time than usual, I think, to actually focus on something creative, even though we were terrified and freaking out like everybody else wondering what was going on. But we took all of that fear and we turned it into something creative. That's the important message here. It really, really is. And we don't need to wait for a pandemic for that to happen because I think there's fear all of the time, not to that degree. Oh, sure. Yeah, not to that degree. Oh, I love that story. And I, I think the uh, venues, both the funeral home and, and the other, oh, the Winchester yeah. <laughs> house. Yes. Yeah. Both of those contributed to just the air around you. Yeah, definitely. I mean, especially the Winchester house. What is it? I forget how many, like 45,000 square feet or something mm -hmm. like that. And I, I forget how many rooms, but just an incredible story there exactly. for sure. Exactly. So how do you make this work? Because as I said, you both write your own books separately and you each have separate lives and you live across the country from each other. How do you come together and collaborate? And is there always agreement or how do you work through that? Well, I think for for this uh, series, um, you know, for each collection, what we've done is try to, you know, agree on a theme for the book. And like for, as for instance, 
in Hard Fires, uh, the Ouija board was kind of like, you know, the central character, although none of the stories involve like an actual Ouija board experience. It's just always there kind of in the background. The same with tangled webs, you know, not necessarily a spider web, but just the intricacies of life and the dramas and the horrors and what have you. And then for Wicked Mist, it's always, you know, there's always something lurking in the background, I guess, that, you know, people don't, you know, it's not necessarily, you know, the physical mist or whatever, but it's just, you know, the, the undercurrents, I guess, in, in life. And from that, you know, we, after we choose the theme, then it's, you know, it, it's, we have, uh, the, the stories are structured. So I do three, Bibiana does three. And um, we're kind of off and running, and we talk about it. And Bibiana, I'll let you speak on the process. Yeah, I think uh, what we do is is we we have what I would call kind of an open wrap session where we have some ideas. First, I mean, it usually starts with a title or like a, a main idea, but we always have that theme, and every single story has to follow that theme. And what that does is keep keeps us in a very specific sort of mindset. But we have this uh, almost like a ping pong game, but it's verbal, mental, creative, and we fully trust each other, which is something that people really need to have a collaboration like this, because I don't worry about her telling people my ideas or saying something's not smart or funny, because if it isn't smart or funny, um, then... You know, we come to that conclusion together usually. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's that like respect that's going on, but we kind of lob all of these ideas back and forth as if we're basically taking a piece of clay and we're molding it into something and it could end up being the monster in the closet or it could end up being like a beautiful vase you'd put in the front hallway of your house. You never quite know what's going to happen. <laughs> and um, I think that comes through in the stories, that element of surprise. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, we put together, we have a schedule, as I said, um, uh, our published date for um, the past three books, and if there's any future, I guess it will be the same, will be, um, we always publish on Labor Day, so that gives us kind of that September 1st spooky season kickoff, you know, right before Halloween, mm-hmm. so we go on strong and, um, you know, kind of work backwards from there, if you will, in terms of, you know, the edits and you know, it's one thing for us to talk and, and what have you, but the real proof in the pudding comes when we start trading stories right. with each other and mm-hmm. and read them and get each other's reactions. <laughs> After all the talking, it's really it's really fun to finally be able to read, uh, you know, read what the story really is. Oh, my gosh. And then put it all together into a cohesive anthology. It's it's quite a project, but as you said, there's a lot of bit of trust and friendship that goes with that. You can you can tell right. that that's pretty clear. Yep. yep. Right. Yep. Now I know that you both do research. I saw that Viviana was in Vermont doing a little ghost hunting under the bridge and I know that yes. uh, Veronica was in Alaska. So give us a little bit about the ghost hunting and your search for all things haunted to inspire and inform your stories. Oh, uh, when I was in Vermont, it's really funny. I, my, my husband was doing one of these, uh, extreme events where people climb a mountain in X amount of hours for some insane reason. I still don't quite understand any of that. But when, when 
all these mountain people were doing their mountain things. I had a rental car, thankfully. And um, I looked up a bunch of things and I found out that Vermont has more covered bridges that are intact, like historic ones, than any other state in the Union. And I was like, holy smokes, there's like, I don't even know, like 30 of them within driving distance of where I'm at. So, you know, I looked up the most haunted ones and was, you know, gallivanting all over Vermont, eating cheese and drinking cider and that sort of thing. And um, the most haunted one didn't feel haunted at all. And the one that wasn't even on the list mm. at all, and it was the very first one I found, felt so haunted. I actually was um, kind of short of breath when I got to the middle of this bridge because it felt like there was like a, a ball of not happy energy kind of on one end of the bridge, and it didn't like people on its bridge. You know, like, it was like, leave me alone. I'm doing my thing up here. And it was just a really, really creepy bridge. I would not go there at night, not for a million dollars. That is wild. I saw that in some of your posts, and I thought, this is is fascinating. And how about you, Veronica? Well, I think uh, this year, uh, when we went to Alaska, it was our first cruise uh, since the lockdowns and everything. So, um we chose Alaska, and I'm so glad that we did. I mean, it, it's kind of like the last frontier, if you will, at least here in the U.S., I think. And I was just blown away by the by the scale and the magnitude of the country. I mean, it's just, you know, mountains everywhere and forests. And I think they have uh, two million lakes, you know, and then all of the coastal shoreline. I mean, it, it's just mind-boggling actually and and to be there in person and just see it you know it really was humbling I guess you know to to you know um finally you know see something that I've read about for for ages in fact Alaska and I share a birthday January 3rd I'm actually a year older than Alaska by the way (laughs) I'll just leave it at that But, um, you know, I think the thing that really got to me and and from the haunting perspective is like um, there were a few times that we pulled into areas where we saw these glaciers and and, and in hearing the park rangers talk about them and that, you know, the ice we were looking at, this, you know, huge structure, four or five hundred foot, you know, tall uh, blue ice kind of structures. You know, that ice was like 250 years old. And you just think about, you know, the history and, you know, not just the majesty of, you know, seeing that in person, but just the history of, you know, what that ice has seen, I guess. And then pulling into a lot of the, you know, the the towns and the towns in Alaska and cities in Alaska are very small Mm -hmm. compared to the continental U.S. And you know, you really get that sense of adventure and there are a lot of tragedies. I mean, there's pirates, been pirates and, you know, all kinds of, you know, uh, terrible struggles and stuff as people settled the land and what have you. And, you know, you really, though, I think saw the pioneering spirit, but then, you know, you also saw a lot of abandoned kind of houses and that, you know, and you just know that there's a story there. 
Right. That's the beauty of travel because it's not something you're reading about or researching online or through a book. You're actually experiencing, feeling, thinking, imagining, and who knows where that's going to come into play in future books. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. All right. Wicked Mist, a paranormal suspense anthology, six stories. So we go from California to Michigan to somewhere in Nevada to Colombia, <laughs> England, and Japan. <laughs> I love that about it. Just each of you give us a little peek into what our, our listeners can expect when they get a copy of the book. Uh, well, well, for for me, basically, the my favorite story is Nino, the story where we're in Japan. Because it's just, it is the scariest story in the collection as far as I'm concerned. Totally. And, totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, during the, during the pandemic, obviously, we've, Travelers like us were just dying to get on an airplane and go somewhere, but obviously we couldn't. And so travel monologues, travel photos, you know, any of that kind of stuff was really inspiring and kind of part of the research for anything that I was doing, regardless of this collection or something else. And I stumbled across this fantastic uh, sort of photo um, collection of a forest that's on the side of Mount Fuji in Japan. Now, I've been to Japan, but I haven't been to this forest. And this forest is really special. And this photographer happened to catch this forest just after the first snow. And there was something so haunting and surreal and almost and quite terrifying, to be honest. There was There was a whole vibe going on, and I was so struck by it. And I actually emailed this perfect stranger and and this very famous perfect stranger emailed me back the next day. Ooh. And we were actually going back and forth on email discussing these vibrations and how it feels and and you know, Nino really came from that because I realized that I had really caught or captured uh, an energy field that's in this place. And so my goal after that was to be absolutely sure that I captured a very Japanese uh, sort of cultural delivery of feeling because this story is narrated by a ghost who is a Japanese girl and the, the main character or a side character is her little sister who's an eight-year-old Japanese girl. So how do you do that when you're not Japanese, when you're not in Japan? And so I had to really delve even deeper into a lot of other things to try to capture it. But I almost heard those voices coming from that art. And that's, that's where that story came from. That is a fabulous retelling of what happened. Thank you for sharing that. I can almost feel, you know, a sense of something as you're, as you're saying this to me and I've not even seen the picture. So, uh, yeah, I bet that was a real challenge for you to put that feeling on paper. Yeah, it was, it was, um, you know, I was trying so hard to be authentic to the voice and authentic to how I really thought that this person would feel. And, you know, I think that they were probably a little bit more eloquent and sort of together mind-wise than most eight-year-olds most likely would be. But, you know, I think she was precocious and she was also curious, which are both very enviable things to have these days, regardless of your age. So I rolled with it. Veronica, I know which one you're going to say, but I'll let you say it. 
<laughs> I don't know where do you went. Uh, uh, Area fifty eight, probably the somewhere in Nevada. Yes, <laughs> and you know, I. I don't even know what to say about that one, actually, because um, it's it's so out there and really kind of, you know, very, very unexpected kind of story. <laughs> but um, it actually started, my husband and I go to uh, uh, Las Vegas quite a bit. And uh, this past summer, we went, um, they have the Atomic Energy Museum there, or National Atomic Museum, I guess. And... Um, you know, just fascinating, and you know, you really realize. I mean, what they were doing just outside, you know, Las Vegas was, you know, setting off quite a few atomic bombs <laughs> over the past decades, and that kind of thing. And it just kind of got me thinking. Okay, you know, I wanted to kind of do something um, in the sci-fi genre, and uh, you know, weave it in with Halloween and. You know, one of the scariest stories, I have a really scary story um, of one time when I lived in Texas during Halloween, uh, we had carved out a pumpkin, and I put my hand down to light the candle inside the pumpkin, and when I did, um, hundreds of these huge roaches started pouring out of the eyes and the nose and the mouth of the carved pumpkin, (laughs) which totally, I mean, I I get goosebumps right now. Every single time I tell this story, (laughs) I mean, (laughs) unbelievable. And so there was something about a roach, you know, because everybody is like, you know, as soon as you say it, I mean, it it doesn't really, I guess, uh, bring up warm and fuzzy feelings, I guess, if you will. So I went, you know, total like 180 or maybe even 360 around and around on this thing, but uh, came up with a, a pretty interesting story in terms of, you know, one of the things that happened with the pandemic and all of a sudden it got into Roach's brains and let the imagination go from there. But uh, one night a scientist meets meets uh, the main the main guy. His name is Eon. We'll just take it from there. You know, I mean, it's a very bizarre story. It's, you know, I never thought that I would have like a romantic angle with a roach. Yes. <laughs> you know, I mean, it happens. It's Halloween and, you know, we went with it. And um, I, I still remember, you know, oh. when after we did the story trade off, you know, I sent it to Bibiana and like, after she rested, like, she immediately called. I'm like, what? You know, so, anyway, but that's part of the fun. It's too much fun. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. And then, just to add another little twist that might be a little more gentle, is that you end with bonus pages with cocktails and appetizers. So tell us about that. Well, it's the party in the book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> it's the time of year that everybody wants to, you know, close the doors and light a fire and put a blankie on and read a book and have something yummy to, to nibble on. It, it really is a party in a book. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Party. And we came up with different things. I mean, like the recipes and for me, the cocktails in there were ones that I had actually, you know, um, was able to imbibe during uh, the the trips this year. Oh. <laughs> so, so they have a little bit of travel theme too, you know. Now, the previous anthology that you pulled together from folks on Twitter, was that a collab between the two of you? 
Um, no, that was actually, uh, it was kind of a thing. It was something, it was a bit of a tragedy in my family that year. And nobody felt like holiday anything. You know, it was before the pandemic, actually. And something, you know, just really tragic happened. And I was like, you know, where is Christmas? You know, like the little girl in, in Whoville. Yeah. The one, you know, Lucy, Luhu or whatever. Right, right. <laughs> yep. So I was, I was desperately trying to find Christmas. And, um, I just basically reached out to a bunch of people. Veronica was one of them. I hadn't even met her in person yet, I don't think. Oh boy. No, not for that one. Uh-uh. Yeah. So, and everybody was super generous and just started, you know, just sending recipes and sending cocktails or whatever. But really what it was was just a, an attempt to get all kinds of different writers on Twitter to, yeah. you know, feel more of a community spirit with, with everyone. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I don't know if it worked or not, but I thought it was really cool. I thought it, I had just come across it last week and I think I even tweeted something. I want to eat this book. Um, it's just so, <laughs> so beautiful. The photography was special as well. Yeah, that's well, all thanks to Bibiana on that. She, you know, kind of everybody sent their, uh, their recipes in and if they had pictures, great. Um, but you know, Bibiana really kind of pulled it all together and I, I think it's it's really, you know, a, a neat thing. We try to advertise it, you know, during the holidays yes. um each year or two and uh hope everybody picks it up. I mean, it was downloaded for free, I think, last year, right, Bibiana, the ebook? Yeah, last year I had it for free and then Amazon decided that the pictures were so high definition they're oh. forcing me to charge ninety nine cents because they want okay. storage oh. fee. <laughs> Because there's that many pictures in it, so it's like on uh, on a tablet, it is absolutely incredibly gorgeous. Is it in a paperback or hardback form? It's both. Okay. Yeah, well, actually, yeah. all three. Okay. But uh, ninety nine cents for like HD color. Mm-hmm. Seriously, you can't beat it. It would also just make a great gift, uh, even like a hostess gift, if you're going to a party, oh, just sure. to bring that. It's exactly beautiful. Yeah, yeah definitely. Beautiful. You know what I noticed about both of you? Everything you do, starting with your Twitter posts, are extremely luxurious and elegant. And you just get that feel. Everything that you put out there just has this yummy, rich, decadent feel to it. And I'm sure that's intentional, but it works. <laughs> Well, why not? You know, (laughs) we can all pretend, I guess, to live uh, what the life of the rich and famous. Right? (laughs) The the videos Bibiana does. She does such a wonderful job. I mean, she's done the book trailers for all of my books, both in my cozy mystery stories and my new Christmas collection. And I tell you, I just I am such a happy camper whenever, you know, I get the final product on that because she just, she choreographs it just impeccably. And, you know, the music with the pictures, I mean, it just brings the book to life. Absolutely. I watched the um, Wicked Mist trailer and, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just fabulous. So hats off to both of you for sure. Alrighty. Well, as we begin to wrap up, I want to make sure we're not missing anything that you wanted to highlight, especially about Wicked Mist. Um, not unless you want to talk about, uh, you know, 
uh, Wicked Miss was book three, so now the question is, will there be a book four? That was going to be my next question, so what's next? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we, you know, we have been discussing book four. Um, We're... It's it's top secret at this point. We're we're still inside of the uh, the government bunker, way underground, <laughs> with some of these ideas. But um, what our goal always is is to write very uh, suspenseful and mysterious and edgy kind of uh, eerie stories that really evoke the time of year when it gets dark earlier, when the mist is weird and the moon is creepy, you know, that sort of thing. But we never use gore. And that's something that we really pride ourselves on because we feel like we're pressing the muse, we're we're pressing the the talent that it takes to actually write a story that's actually really scary without um, putting sort of images in your mind that are something that you could easily get on the news, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But um, book four, you know, we're hoping that in the next six months, eight months, that our dream director and our dream streaming service comes to us and says, we want all of it, and we're going to take you guys to the writer's room and get everybody started. And we're going to buy this series from you because we want to see this on television. And it's an amazing variety show that's been compared a lot to Twilight Zone. And to be compared to a show like Twilight Zone is such an enormous compliment to me. Um, But year four is going to be even better, even scarier, (laughs) even wilder. But... The theme for the show is not going to be revealed until we've actually written the story, watched the story, and our editor has the story in his hands. Yep. <laughs> Talk about suspenseful, huh? Right. Yeah. There's mystery in that even. <laughs> well, it's it's going to be well worth the wait. I don't see an end in sight to the two of you collaborating together because it just... The end product is just so special and amazing, and it's just going to keep getting better and better. So, yes, keep us posted. Okay. Thank you. Yes. All right. Well, if you would, then, each of you want to get your uh, contact information, where folks can find out more about you and get copies of your books, reach out to you, whatever, wherever you want to take us, let us know. Okay. Well, I'm uh, uh, Veronica Klein-Barton, and uh, just go to my um uh, website, it's veronicaklinebarton.com and, uh, you have all about me. There's, uh, email if you want to contact me and, um, all the links to my cozy series, my Christmas series, and the haunted series. And I'm Bibiana Crow and you can find me on my website, B-I-B-I-A-N-A-K-R-A-L-L.com and, um, I have most of my books on Amazon, but some in random places, but I'm pretty easy to find on uh, YouTube as well. You can just type in my name, and I think I show up all over the place. So. Mm-hmm. Alrighty, so we're speaking with Bibiana Krall and Veronica Klein-Barton, their Firebird Book Award 
winning book, the grand prize of, of all that were submitted to the third quarter, Wicked Mist, a paranormal suspense anthology, which is book three of the Haunted series. And if after this conversation we had today, you don't get a copy of the book, I don't know what to say. So head over to Amazon, head over to their websites, and thank both of you so much for taking time out of your day to share you and your inspirations and, and your stories with us. Thank you, Pat. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much, you guys. This has been awesome.